Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Psalm 68:11 says that the Lord gave the word, great was the company of those that published it. Scripture printing is an essential part of our missionary enterprise around the world because the Word of God is essential to effectively doing evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Reproducing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world requires reproducing the scriptures and getting it into the hands of believers around the world. My guest today is Brother Jim Fallour, the director of the Victory Baptist Press located in Milton, Florida. I pastored for 12 years in Bruton, Alabama, not far from Victor Baptist Press, and I'm thankful to have been introduced to Brother Fleur and the work of the press early on in my pastoral ministry. Brother Jim has been a friend to me, and I've followed the work of the press closely over the years I've been acquainted with him. Back in 2018, the Victory Baptist Press assisted me in shipping a container of John and Romans to Zimbabwe, something of a precursor to what the Lord has since called our family to full-time. I sat down with Brother Fuller recently to discuss the ministry of Scripture printing and to get his insight into how the pandemic has affected the American church and what the Victory Baptist Press is doing to sow the Word of God in America in these last days. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Brother Fuller, as I always do, and I hope that you'll be blessed by it as well. Now for the conversation on Scripture printing and the ministry of the Victory Baptist Press with Brother Jim Fuller. Brother Fuller, Scripture is obviously vital to the work of missions and printing the Word of God and getting it to the mission field. Around the world has been a passion of yours for the last three decades or so. So tell us a little bit about the origins of the Victory Baptist Press, how the ministry got started and how you got involved. All right, Brother Cadenhead. Uh, Back in 1975, Brother Thomas Woodward, who was a native of Pensacola, Florida, went over to Milton, just the next town up the interstate, started the Victory Baptist Church. And in 1984, he felt a burden to start a printing ministry. And his vision was to provide the printed word to peoples of the world without charge. So he started the ministry. He knew nothing about printing. Uh, He had a mechanical mind. He could set up a press and make it work if it had gears and shafts and bearings and so on. But printing, he didn't know. He just had a burden for it. But at the same time, there was a young man in college in Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I don't know why he was there, because his ambition was to be a farmer. Hmm. But he was sitting in a chapel service one day, and the speaker mentioned churches printing scripture. And those three words lodged in the heart and the mind of that young fellow named Al Berg. And within a year, he was in Milton, Florida. He didn't know Tom Woodward. He didn't know anything about the printing. He'd never run a press. But he ended up in Milton, Florida. And uh, he had such a burden for it that he got a job. He worked four days a week as a framing carpenter to provide for his family. And he would come to the shop, which back then was a Sunday school room with a little sheep-fed press. And he would come in one day a week and start learning to run that press. And he did that for six years. No support, no help, just four days a week as a carpenter, one day a week learning to print. And in 1991, I came by and preached for Brother Woodward. I'd known him for many, many years. And he asked me to pray about being a field rep for Victory Baptist Press. Back then, it was called Victory International Printers of Scripture. And I promised him that I would pray. And I wasn't too impressed, but... I did what I said I would do. The next day I prayed, and then the next day I prayed, and the next day I prayed, and I began to feel a burden for it. And so I knew the Lord wanted me to associate myself with that ministry, go on the road, try to raise some money. And so I did, and a little money started coming in. and started paying Brother Berg some part-time money. And then in 1992, Brother Woodward found out that he had a prostate cancer. And by 1994, it had taken its toll on him. He passed away. My son, Tim, had graduated from college, was working at a Christian school in another area in Florida. 
but before Brother Woodruff died, he asked him if he would come off the road. He had come with us at that time and was traveling for the ministry like I was. He had been working in the Christian school, but anyway, Brother Woodward asked him to come off the road and take the church, and so he did. So in 1994, Tim became the director or the pastor of the Victory Baptist Church. He asked me to become the director of the printing ministry, and so I did. I didn't know no more about what I was doing than he did or anybody else. But as money started coming in, Brother Berg, we was able to pay him a full-time salary. And so the ministry began to grow. And uh, Brother Berg, by the way, is still there. In fact, he's a testimony of dedication to what God calls you to do. After being in the print shop for more than 35 years, I told him a few months ago, I said, Brother Berg, you've earned your right for retirement. And so if you don't ever come in again, that's up to you. We've got some other men that are training. Be good if you stayed close enough to at least take a phone call if they had a problem and come in and help these young men through it. But that's an amazing thing. That was about six months ago, but he's never missed a day. He just kept working. He's, uh, in fact, if we've got a young man that we need to train and he needs to learn work ethics, we put him with Alberg. He starts every morning at 7 o'clock. He doesn't miss a day. Uh, he doesn't take even a lunch break early. He's very regimented, very disciplined, and dedicated to the task. But anyway, I came in 1991, became director of the ministry, traveled, raised money, put up buildings, uh, negotiate favor prices, buy presses, whatever. And it's gone from that beginning to now we have a 6,000-square-foot building. Uh, we've got some equipment that's new, modern state-of-the-art stuff. We've got some that's old, but it's all in good shape. Uh, the shop works every day. Uh, six full-time employees in the shop. And uh, just that's what we do. Just went from a humble beginning. And to this day, we never charge for a scripture that we printed. It matter if it's a Bible, New Testament, John and Romans, whatever it is. If it's scripture... We don't charge for it. We put it in the hand of the missionary, and he's not out of pocket any money at all to get the printed word. So that's what we do. Tim pastor the church, and I work the front side. Uh, we got four field reps on the road full-time raising funds to keep it afloat, and then the six workers in the shop. So that's, Brother Cadenhead, if that's what you're asking, that's yeah. what we do. When I think of... Um when I think of the, the fruitfulness and the longevity of the Victor Baptist Press, uh, of course, I think not only of your, of your contribution there and taking it from those humble beginnings with Brother Woodward's um, vision for, for Bible printing, but I, want, I was going to ask you about, uh, about Brother Alberg. And also, um, when I think of the press, I think of Brother Bill Richburg, too. I think those men are a great testimony to the Lord but also to the work of the press, and, and uh, certainly they've, they've contributed in a great way over the years. Yes, sir. You mentioned Bill Richburg. He's been with us for over 20 years, I think like 22. He's called me today, and uh, he was so excited. He's been in a missions conference in Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, Brother Richburg was so excited. I mean, he couldn't hardly talk on the phone. <laughs> Last night they finished the mission conference. They gave him a check for twelve hundred dollars for a roll of paper. But then they took commitments, and Brother Richburg said that they've committed themselves for about seven thousand dollars a month for the next year. Wow! You know, so that's pretty good support. Oh man! And uh, we've needed to hire another person, and that'll probably help us to do that. But uh, anyway, Bill Richburg, a servant's heart. It doesn't matter whether it's repairing a press, doing mechanic work, doing carpenter work, sure. working on the building, or traveling, preaching, and representing us out on the road. Well, you've mentioned these, uh, Brother Berg, uh, who's, who's hands-on in the shop, and has got some, you've got some full-time help with Brother Berg there in the shop. Not only Brother Berg operating the equipment, but you've got some, some good young ladies that are engaged in doing layout and some of the digital work. Um, and then, of course, the field reps that uh, keep paper on the presses and visit those churches. So I'm wondering if you will walk us through the process of getting scriptures printed 
and into the hands of foreign workers, beginning with the adoption of a project. So how do you determine what kind of uh, scripture the press is going to print and where those are going to go? How do you go about getting the truckload of paper on the floor? Walk us through the, the procedure. Well, ultimately, all those decisions mine are in their finality, but the multitude of counselors are safety. So if a missionary comes to us and they've got a need, and it's awfully easy for somebody to look at a maybe a Bible with a nice cover or look at a John Romans and it's got a good cover and it's pretty and, and boy, we could sure use some of those. But how many do you need and what's the outreach and sure. what is your area, what's your distribution plans and those kind of things. And we're not interested in just shipping stuff so we can report that we shipped a lot. We want it to be used when it gets on a field. Absolutely. So when a missionary comes to us and he's got a need for scripture, we'll pray about it. We'll toss around the shop, maybe the mornings during devotion time. We'll say, pray about this. And we do enough research to know if this is a reputable missionary and is there a need and will it be used? And once we're convinced that it is, and we say to the missionary, we'll do that. And our projects, they consist of, when we say, yes, we'll do that project, that consists of an 18-wheeler load of paper. Currently, we're paying about uh, $36,000, $37,000 for a load of paper. And that 18-wheeler load of paper will, will, will provide enough paper to print about 25,000 Bibles. Spanish, English, you know, a Bible about 1,200 pages. And uh, we always fill a 20-foot container. We can't do a 40-container because of weight. You okay. can only run about 40,000, 45,000 pounds on the highway. Now, if you could get it to the dock, the ship wouldn't have a weight limit. But we fill a 20-foot container and ship it to the country where that missionary is at. And when the missionary gets it, somebody has to be at customs to receive it and get it through customs. And I'll give you one example. There's Don Rich is a missionary in South America, okay? And when we started getting requests from Don Rich, we sent two men over there, Bill Richburg and another man, went down and stayed two weeks with Don Rich. And we wanted to know, would he be a good distributor? And they came back after two weeks and said, that's the man to distribute Bibles in South America. And so we sent him 25,000 Bibles, I think, in 2012. And uh, it took a few months to distribute those. But somehow, Brother Rich, through being very, very organized, has created a battery of churches in all of the countries, especially Spanish-speaking countries in South America. There are nine Spanish-speaking countries in South America. And uh, that totals over 200 million people in those nine countries. And so Brother Rich distributed that uh, 25,000 Bibles, made requests for another 25,000. We shipped them. And currently we're almost finished with another 25,000 that'll go within the next month or so. That will make 140-some thousand whole Spanish Bibles. Praise the Lord. That have gone to Don Rich. And when Brother Rich gets them, uh, he ships them out by bus lines. That's this major way of transporting to all those other nine countries. And we may think small when we think of Peru. That's where they go, Cajamarca, Peru. And we think, you know, look at it on a map. It's not very much. It's not, you know, it's a little area, but it's really not. We shipped one load here a couple of years back. Brother Rich met it at, at Customs in Lima get it through customs, and then they have to truck that another 14 hours to his home in Cajamarca. Well, we don't know what it's going to cost us at customs. He pays that. When he calls us and tells us what it costs, we reimburse him. We don't know what it's going to cost to get it shipped from customs up to Cajamarca. He has to get a local trucker to do that. So then when he gets it to his place, he pays the trucker. He sends us a copy of the invoice, and we reimburse him. So he's got the scriptures at his location. In fact, he's built a little warehouse now to hold them. 
And when he gets them, he's not out of pocket anything. If he's willing to go to Peru and put his life in preaching the gospel, we're going to see that he gets it. And so we send it to him. Well, one year I thought I'd ask some questions and see what's going on here. And so he took those scriptures once he got them at Cajamarca and shipped a good number of them down to to southern Peru, right on the border of Bolivia. And he had made arrangements for another group of national pastors and missionaries to come out of Bolivia and meet him there, and they would get scriptures and take them back into Bolivia. But he shipped those, but at the same time, he loaded his truck with Bibles, and on his way from Cajamarca down to Bolivia, you know, running on and off the main path and distributed scriptures to other churches and preachers. His truck was empty when he got down to the Bolivia border. Amen. So what he gave to the Bolivians, they took them back to Bolivia. He took the rest of them and reloaded his truck and then went into Chile. He went to Santiago. And at Santiago, he had another fellow man and his wife, missionary, set up to take what he brought them and distribute those to the churches around Santiago and then turn around and go back home. So I asked the question, how far was it from Cajamarca to Santiago? About 2,700 miles. <laughs> so it's a little bigger on the missionary's part than people give them credit for. Sure. And uh, it's a 30-day trip going 2,700 miles, delivering scriptures to nobody telling how many people. And I would ask Brother Rich, what did it cost? How much did you spend? You had motel bills, you had food, you had whatever it cost. And he was very reluctant to tell, but he said probably $3,000. So we sent him an offering for $4,000. Didn't cost the missionary anything to do it. And hey, God pays the bill. We don't charge, we ship, we get it out. You know, that's just, and that's South America. God's opened up South America to us, and we're going to keep doing that. Uh, probably next fall we'll do another run. Uh, this earlier this year, we did a project for uh, Cebu in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. That's a language of Cebuano. And the Cebuano Bible is much thicker than the Spanish or the English Bibles we print. It's about 1,700 pages, so you don't get as many of them in a container. The container's 18,000 plus. But anyway, it took us about a year to finish that up and get it there. Boy, it got hung up at customs like never got it out. And red tape, red tape, red tape, more money, more money, more money. So that was a very expensive deal. But we got it over there. And when the missionary got it, he'd been on the field 42 years. And he emailed us back and said it's the greatest blessing they'd had in 42 years. Praise the Lord. And he told us about 12 different islands in the Philippines that they'd put those Bibles into churches being started, present ministers or whatever. And so they're out, and we need to supply that again. And hopefully in the spring, we'll do another load for the Philippine Islands. We've shipped, oh, I think uh, uh, Uganda, I think we've done three shippings there. Right now, there's a group in Tennessee that's trying to load a container for Uganda for the spring, and they want English Bibles, trade language for Uganda. And I'm sure we're going to be able to do it. We've got the paper on the floor to print English Bibles, but they want some better Bibles. They want a hardback Bible, quality-bound, Smithstone, the whole thing. And we'll have to have that done out. We'll print it, but we'll ship it out, have the hard covers put on it, and supply it for those fellas to send to Uganda. And so on and on and on, brother, that's what we do. The Lord supplies the money, we buy paper, put the ink on the paper, get it to the mission field. That's a lot of good seed. And you mentioned uh, a lot of the resources over the last few years have, have been funneled into South America. I think South America is one of the most fruitful continents in terms of evangelism and mission work in this in this generation. It's, and, and boy, that's a lot of good seed. I remember one of the newsletters that you put out if I'm not mistaken, we had two pictures on there. One of them was in a really rural bush, primitive kind of setting, you know, maybe a tin roof or a thatch roof, a little hut for a church building, and a bunch of believers out standing with their Bibles. And then another one was uh, government officials 
all holding their Bibles. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, that uh, that Bush picture. They said the only people in those areas that would have a Bible would be pastor. Right. And so that Bush picture that you had was a picture that Don Rich sent us when all those people in the churches they had a Bible now. And then the other one where you said the dignitaries, if we had that picture, I could look at it and point out the president of the country of Peru. Oh, wow. And the lady sitting beside of him was his wife, and she had one of the Bibles on her lap. Well, how did they get those? Well, somehow somebody in the governmental system there requested Bibles from some group for every person, I don't know whether that was a state house or a congressional meeting, I don't know what it was, but I think the report was in that meeting about 300 of the officials, you know, politicians or whoever that was going to be there, and they wanted to give everybody a gift of a Bible. And so this group that they contacted have no idea who they were, but they didn't have them. But Don Rich heard about that and said, we do. <laughs> and he gave a Bible to every one of those officials and, and so you could see it, that Bible very clearly, you can see it if you look close, you can see our uh, logo on it, Victory Baptist Press. So oh. they put them right there in the hands of the dignitaries. Do you have any recollection of how many countries uh, to date that the press has shipped to? Do you remember? We have a record of 50 countries. 50 countries. But that's kindly, you know, who knows? Sure. Like, for instance, you ship one place, but they'll go to 10 other places from there. Sure. That kind of thing. But we can name 50 countries that we ship to. And quite a number of languages as well. Do you recall how many languages? 20 languages. 20 languages. But, you know, there's over 6,000. I think I did a study on demographics back in 2020. And at that time, I came up with 6,703 languages. Yes, sir. Uh, but, you know, and we've done 20. That's sad, but, you know. Sure. That's what we've done. Well, that's, yeah, and that's that's where the requests have come from, too. And that's that's where you where, where the Lord's opened the doors for those distributions. Right. I know that um, you've, you've mentioned that the, that the press has adopted the approach of not charging the missionary for the scripture that it produces. Um, for use on those foreign fields. And I know that you have seen, and I've heard you testify on many occasions, the fulfillment of Philippians 4.19 uh, in, 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 in your experience personally, as well as that of the presses, that God will supply the need. You've proven it again and again. I'm wondering if, you, if, if there are any particular instances that come to mind of how God met a need, even supernaturally, to get that paper to get those ship, uh, scriptures shipped. I know you've seen it again and again. Well, I just give you an up-to-date deal. You know, I'd mentioned earlier about Bill Richburg raising that money. <laughs> right. But we've got a pretty good size email list. We've got about 19,500 subscribers. It's hard to go somewhere in a fundamental Baptist church that they don't know about Victory Baptist Press. Sure. But they don't know about Victor Baptist Press because of any pressure, uh, no poor mouthing. It's it's none of that stuff. If we're going under, if we don't help us, we operated debt free. We don't go in debt. If the Lord didn't send it in, we wouldn't make it. But just two weeks ago, week before last, I believe, they got the mail and there's check for thirty thousand dollars. Wow! Come from a church up in northern West Virginia. So they're on our mailing list. But we tracked it. We gave them a call. Want to know what field rep had been there? They said never been a field rep there. <laughs> there been nobody there from our ministry. Well, how did you know about us? Whatever they said, we've just kept up with you through emails, through the newsletters, whatever. We was like, what you're doing? Had some money and felt the Lord have us send it to you. Praise the Lord. That's thirty thousand dollars. What do you do with it? Hey, buy paper, buy ink. Amen. Put it in the gospel. Put it on the mission field. And I might say this, there's one fellow in Virginia, and he's very inquisitive and answered all of his questions, and he supported, did, you know, sent us a couple hundred dollars a month to really help. But to begin with, he was he was afraid that we were just raising a lot of money for people to live, you know, luxurious lifestyles and all that stuff. He said, no, not hardly. 
I live in an old house about 100 years old, but I like it. You know, <laughs> we're not, you know, we try to pay our workers a decent wage sure. for the full time. They've got to live like everybody else, but we don't waste the money. But it's just amazing how that over and over and over, the Lord meets the need. It's yes, just, sir. you know, it's just been an ongoing thing. Amen. Yeah. Well, while you don't charge missionaries for scripture, the press does uh, supplement the ministry through the raising of funds by way of the bookstore. Yes. And you are interested, of course, in putting, even putting some, some good books that are out of print into print in the interest of uh, the reading believers, but also in support of the press. So how does the bookstore help to contribute to the scripture printing ministry? If they go to our website, victorbevispress.com, and look on shop, I think we've got about 500 books and maybe 100 music CDs on there. We sell those. And every penny that we make off those books or CDs, it goes right back into scripture printing. So yeah, it does. Now, on the bookstore website, if you go to shop, at the top of the list, it'll say VBP exclusives. Those are books that we publish. Now, it might have been an old book that was out of copyright and so in public domain. So we set the type and printed that book. Then that's our book. We published that book. Then all the rest of the books on there are books that we buy from, you know, other vendors. Sure. But there have been times that uh, my wife, my daughter runs a bookstore, and she'd call my wife and say she'd transferred $3,000 or $4,000, whatever, from the bookstore over to the print shop account. And there's been times we wouldn't have met payroll wow. if it hadn't been for the bookstore, putting that money in. So you have the books, and we don't just print books that'll make money. Those books have to be doctrinally sound. And sure. We feel like it's beneficial to the body of Christ. People get some help reading them. Amen. And, uh, but yes, sir, those books have been a great help. I, I think it seems like you've taken some pleasure over the years in finding some good material that's not in print and, and taking the opportunity not only to help the press, but to get some good material to, to, the, to the body of Christ that might not otherwise get that access. I'm wondering if you have any per- personal favorites that you've been able to put back into circulation by way of the, the, the bookstore over the years. Years ago, I think in 1923... Uh, W. Maxwell started the Prairie Bible Institute in, in Canada. And, you know, I've been at this a long time, but when I first started preaching, that was kind of a household thing, household word. He, uh, uh, w. Maxwell, he wrote books like Crowded to Christ, Born, Born Crucified. An absolute classic. Just yeah. tremendous books. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a fellow in 19, I think, 52 that came from Scotland. I believe Scotland and uh, uh, Ted Rendell, T.S. Rendell. He came to go to school and he must have been a tremendous student because he ended up as a professor and finally president of the school. And uh, Rendell published a publication, published a paper, The Prairie Overcomer, and he would put expositional studies in there. And after that was finished, he'd take those studies and put them in book form. And the first time I saw one of his books, it was In God's School. Fabulous book, In God's School. Now, I was introduced to that back in the 70s. Great book. Well, when we started looking for books to put back into publication that would be of help to people, I thought about that book, and I wondered, where was T.S. Rendell? And when I located him, I found out he's still living. He was teaching in the Stephen Olford School of Biblical Preaching in Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. And so I called him and talked to him. And Dr. Rendell said that it was amazing that I would call him because all of his books, the type was set on just electric typewriters. And they didn't have any digital copies of them, and they were all out of print. And he said they had just been praying about what the Lord would do and how he would make it possible to get his books back in print. So he gave us permission to put them back in print. And as of today, we've put eight books from T.S. Rendell. And then he's got another one written. The old man's 83 or 84 years old. But his last book, he called the other day, talked to my wife. 
and he's written another book, and the title of it is God is Able in Times Like These. <laughs> and I can't that? wait to get the manuscript because oh, we yeah. plan to put that back in print. So, Rendell, well, the introduction of one of T.S. Rendell's books, he mentioned uh, Hubert Brooke. Yes, sir. And he mentioned personal consecration. He said it been a great blessing to him. Excellent book. Now, he said that in the introduction to one of his books. And I thought, well, if T.S. Rendell said that that's a good book, I better trace that down. So I did. <laughs> and we found a copy of it. It's an 1800 Keswick speaker. It was out of print. So we got it. And we put personal consecration to Hubert Brooke back in print. And uh, if you want to know something about the impact of the book and how strong it is, if you know Charles Keene, Dr. Charles Keene, yes, highly respected man. And Dr. Keene preached at our home church once, and I gave him a copy of the book, and he read it. And then Dr. Keene called me. He said, it's the greatest book on discipleship I've ever read. And Dr. Keene said this. He said, I never have believed that real discipleship was 20 pages of filling in blanks. <laughs> and Dr. Keene said discipleship is a transfer of ownership. And he wanted to know if they could do a profile on us and sure do anything you want to with it. But today, if I had my choice in the church today as it is, if I had my choice of, of, of reading material outside of the Bible, I'd recommend everybody read Personal Consecration by Hubert Brooke. Yes, and, and given the theme of our podcast here, it's perhaps worthy of note that that great book on discipleship actually ends with a tremendous charge related to the Great Commission and the need for the gospel around the world. He ends up with saying, that's the reason for discipleship. <laughs> In fact, I'll just say this, this is a little bit of preaching material, but it's a tough book. Yeah, sure. It's not easy. Dr. Keene said... It's unbending. I mean, it's just dogmatic statements. Now, you think about this. One of the things that Brooks said was that if you're not a disciple, you never was a disciple. That's pretty strong. But I've thought about it. Your life. Well, how long is your life? It's not 10 years and then with 15 more for you to live for yourself. When you say, I'm dedicating my life to Christ, that doesn't mean you're just doing something to get over the emotional kick on a Sunday night service. <laughs> my life, it's from here on out. Lock, stock, and barrel. So a disciple is one who realizes we're bought with a price. And that's forever. Amen. You know, boy, what a book. But <laughs> yes, sir, we've enjoyed putting those books in print. In fact, Stephen Olford wrote... Not I, but Christ, based on Galatians 2.20. Mm -hmm. And his son, David Olford, who still, Stephen Olford died in the early 2000s, but David Olford, he's still president of their school over there. And he called me about putting his daddy's book back in print, mm -hmm. Not I, but Christ. And so we did. And uh, now I say this in case somebody's listening to this podcast that would misunderstand. The people that I'm talking about were all not necessarily King James Bible believers. Sure. But before we printed their books or put something back in print, they had to give us permission to make all the references King James Bible. Amen. And so we did. If you get one of Rendell's books, it'll be King James Bible all the way through. That's a blessing because they, these evangelicals have sure stolen a lot of good Bible-believing material and then put it in the NIV or the New oh, King yeah, James. Yeah, so it's, right, what a right. blessing to get something yeah. worth reading in print with the right Bible references. Right. Now, if you may buy a book by another vendor, and if it's an attack on the King James Bible, then we won't sell it. We don't put it in the bookstore. Sure. But... All of the vendors have some good books and may refer to another translation. Just skip over it and go on. Right. You know, but, Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Yeah, but we can't change their books. Right. They've got the copyrights on them. We can't. But the books that we publish, it's going to be King James or it won't. <laughs> you won't find it on our website. Right. Amen. Yeah. You know, the pandemic has had a profound impact on certain elements of the missionary enterprise, including, I'm sure, the shipping of Scripture. I don't know if that was related to the to the holdup with the with the Sabuano 
Bibles or not. But I, I am, I guess I'm wondering how the press has responded to some of these developments. And, and I have this theory. I haven't, uh, I haven't broadcast this much, but I do think it's God's business, uh, how he allocates his resources and his labor force. And uh, it has occurred to me that perhaps God is, is reallocating some of his resources domestically uh, because America is, seems to me, increasingly a needy mission field. So how has the press responded to some of the shifts that are happening in the world right now in relation to not just international travel, but international shipping? Well, again, Brother Cadenhead, there can be a little bit of a theology thing. There can be a, you know, what's the scriptural position of this? We read Romans 8.28, it's easy to quote, but all things, no matter what it is, every, all things, it works for good, you know, even the bad stuff, for good to them that love God, those that call according to his purpose. Now, God's involved in everything. This is his earth. <laughs> We're breathing his air. And I got an illustration, and I say this about COVID. I was in Texas, somewhere up north of Houston, preaching revival of a country church, having a good meeting. But the pastor was a coon hunter. So one night after service, he wanted me to go coon hunting with him. I said, yeah, I'd enjoy that. So we did. We drove out across a ranch and through gates, and man, we was on the backside of nowhere. And he turned his dogs out of the truck, and then... He shined his light over against the fence there, and there was a dead coyote laying there. And I thought that was a good thing, you know, them coyotes kill them calves. But he said, boy, I hope my brother don't see it. He'd be upset. His brother was a rancher. I said, well, don't they want to kill the coyotes? He said, no. Don't coyotes catch the calves? He said, they catch the sick ones, the weak ones, the ones that's lagging behind. And he said, the coyotes... When they catch those sick calves, it helps build a stronger herd. Hmm. And I thought about that. I believe COVID was God's coyote. Now, but you think that would cut the cattle population down. If you Google it, you'll find that the state of Texas has the largest cattle population of any state. It also has the largest population of coyotes. <laughs> so there's some of those things we think is terrible. no. They're not terrible. So here's what happened. When the pandemic hit, there was places that we didn't get a ship to. We couldn't. And even if we could have, there were missionaries under quarantine. They couldn't use them. So it did. But at the same time, I reread the Great Commission a lot of times. And go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every. And, of course, in the Gospels, the emphasis on beginning at Jerusalem, that was home. Right. Begin there. Then in Acts 1.8, it goes on to say both, and it names other places. So we ought to reach every creature in our community. Then we ought to spread out and reach every, community, every creature in the next one and the next one and the next one. And so I got to thinking, we have not even tried. We've not made a concentrated effort at reaching every creature in our own communities. So we come up with now that EDDM deal. Right. And the reason we did that, we thought, we're going to focus on America. We're going to try to do something that will get the gospel in the homes in America and at the same time promote the local church. Amen. So that's when we came up with this method. So of, in the case that our that our listeners are not familiar, tell us what the EDDM is, and I'd like for you to tell us about what uh, Mordecai's method is. Okay. EDDM is an acronym for Every Door Direct Mail. So you can take a piece of literature, a card, or whatever, and if you use that card, the right size, the right dimensions, meet the post office's specs, you take that down to the post office, and they will mail that to every door in any particular community. For instance, if you go to your local post office and ask them, how many zip codes do you serve? And they tell you. Then 
you can get a printout and you can even do it online if you go to the United States Postal Service. And you can do it online and you can pull up maps that will show areas and what zip code covers that area. And you can go to your post office and say, all right, I want to mail to this route. How many people's on it? They'll give you a figure, 500, 200, 300, whatever it is. You say, I don't want to mail to that route. How much will it cost? This, the price for the postage varies. I've seen it as little as 16.2 and as high as 20 cents. So whatever you got that you want to mail, you can mail to everybody on that route. Now, you can mail to every route in that zip code. You know, for instance, when we started doing this, our church here in Milton, Florida, Victor Baptist Church, they found out that in our county, 75,000 household addresses. That's what's in Santa Rosa County. So we took this card that I'll tell you about, and our church mailed that to every household address in Santa Rosa County. That's a pretty great tool because you couldn't have given that those tracks out to all those people, not if you not if you tried. Well, the situation is you can't get into a gated community. <laughs> right. But if they've got an address and get mail, yeah. that gated community be covered. You can't get on the military bases. Right. It covers military bases. It'll cover, you know, whatever. It covers everywhere. Now, uh, college campuses and prisons, uh, haven't been, uh, they say they don't mail to those. But what we did is we took an old picture that's been around, a guy named Wrestler, I believe it was. Yes, sir. That he painted that oil painting, and it depicts, it depicts hell. It's a pit, smoke, and a fire boiling out of it. And a cross going across it. And you may have seen it sometime. But we found out that Brother Travis Alltop had a real clear copy of that. He let us have a link to it. So we took that picture. And one of the girls in our print shop draped an American flag over top the corner of that picture and let the edge of it be falling off into hell. He said, that's pretty bad. Well, I know. But Psalm 917 said the wicked should be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God, right. and America's in trouble. Yes, sir. And that picture's like shock and all. Man, somebody fornicating last night, smoking dope and drinking liquor. And he wakes up in the morning with a heart a headache, and he gets that in the mail. And the first thing he sees, a picture of hell and a picture of heaven, and the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. And then on the back side of the card, we put eight verses. But the verses on the backside, they're not designed for a quick profession of faith. They're designed really uh, to bring conviction. We used to preach that, you know. But on that card is Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye into the straight gate and so on. It's got Matthew 16, 26. What shall it profit a man? He going gain the whole world, lose his own soul. Uh, Revelation 21, 8. Boy, here's a good verse. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Second Peter 3 9. Lord not slack concerning his promise. But it closes with John 3 16 through 18. Amen. So those verses are on there. Now, if we take a card and it's to the, to the post office of specs, and we put that one verse on the front, that picture of that flag, and that picture of the American flag, and then turn it over, and it'll have the verses that I've just referred to. But then it'll have a QR code. Right. And you scan that QR code, and it'll take you to a website, and it'll say English, the second one will say Spanish, and the third one will say Chinese. Huh. And if you click on the English version, You'll get a video, a 12-minute video of my son, Tim, giving a clear presentation of the gospel of Christ. But he doesn't reveal who he is and the reason for it, because there's a space there on that card to put an individual church name. In other words, it may have, for instance, I gave a young man one last night, Aliquippa Baptist Temple, and we mailed these to that church. It's got their church name, the address, their service times, pastor's name, and contact information. So if somebody gets that card in the mail and they click on that gospel presentation, 
and they trust Christ. They need to go to church. Where do they go? Aliquippa Baptist Temple. Amen. So Aliquippa Baptist Temple says, we want to do that. I said, okay, send us the information. We put it on the card. We print as many as they need, mail it to them. They take it down to the post office. They're going to bundle them, I think, in bundles of 50, maybe 100, whatever. They take it down to the post office and pick the routes they want to mail to, and they put it in every door, every home. They, so you, the Victory Baptist Press has actually been partnering with local churches, the press providing the cards so that the churches can then turn around and, and provide the postage right. and try to do something to evangelize America. Right. That's what we do. So now, what, does that, what does that have to do with Mordecai? Well, <laughs> we try to find a Bible principle for everything we do. Sure. Okay. So I'm looking. Is there a Bible principle? And I found it. And uh, in the providence of God, Vashti the queen, she had to step aside. That wasn't just a, you know, something that just happened, happenstance. Why did Vashti have to step aside? Well, God needed a Jewish maiden to go before the king. Right. So it made room for Esther. But in the book of Mordecai, the story there, how that wicked Haman, he hated Mordecai. So he plotted and came up with a scheme to get rid of him, but he wanted to get rid of everybody like him. So he went before the king and told the king how we can do it and wrote a letter, and it was a letter of death. That letter of death says the Jews in 147 provinces are going to die. 147 provinces in the Persian Empire. And the Bible said it went from India to Ethiopia, I believe is what it is. Yes. So I looked at that. That's about the size of America, 2,700 miles. <laughs> okay. you know, they had a sophisticated postal system. And so uh, Haman got that letter authorized by the king that said, you're going to die, and sent it to him by post. That post was a letter carrier. <laughs> right. And so all them Jews in 127 provinces, they got a letter that said, you're going to die. That's kind of like Old Testament. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You know. Well, Mordecai, and by now, uh, his cousin Esther's on the throne as queen. And so Mordecai said, put your life on the line. Go before the king. And she said, what do you want me to do? He said, get the letter reversed. Well, if you got a letter that says you're going to die and you get it reversed, that letter says you can live. And so they designed the letter, and they had it translated into every language and every tongue of every Jew in 127 provinces. And they did the same thing. They got the king to authorize it. Same king authorized both letters. You know, that's the way it is the Bible. Right. Same man authorized the Old Testament, authorized the New Testament. Amen. And that New Testament said you can live. And so Mordecai, he got it sealed with the king and sent it by post. Same way that Haman and his crowd sent theirs. He sent it by posts under that 127 provinces. And when the Jews got the letter... I can't resist just reading what happened to them. But sure. let me read what happened to them. And by the way, may I say that I do not believe that those Jews would have been too excited about their letter of life had they not, first of all, gotten the letter of death. Oh, yes. They had to have the letter of death. But it says over here in Esther chapter 8, so the posts rode upon mules and camels. They went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan the palace. So they got the letter going. And then it says in verse 15, And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad for the Jews now, here's what they had when they got that letter. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city where the servant of the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy 
and gladness, a feast, and a good day. That's the result of using the postal system to send a letter that said, you can live. Amen. So that's Mordecai's method. So we call the program Mordecai's Method. And so, yes, we print the cards, no charge. Why? Because we don't give any commentary on it. We don't give any comment on it. We put eight verses, a total of 238 words, all of them perfect. Yes. That is printing and distributing the scriptures. Sure. Somebody said, well, that's not many words, y'all know. But uh, Lazarus come forth wasn't many either, <laughs> just three. But he came forth, <laughs> you know. So they're all the words of God. But we thought that if we could do that, that would give these churches a way to put the gospel in every home of their community, including gated communities, whatever. So we took the lead and did those 75,000 for Santa Rosa County. Then we backed up to Walton County there in Northwest Florida, and we covered Walton County. Then we moved over to Okaloosa, and we covered Okaloosa County. And uh, then we had already done Santa Rosa County, and we've now done probably half of Escambia County. Probably within the next two or three weeks, we'll finish up Escambia County. So that means that those four counties, and then a preacher in uh, Panama City, Florida, Brother Greg Reinhardt, he's got Bible Believers Baptist Church. Boy, he got excited about it. And Brother Reinhardt says there's 96,000 household addresses in Bay County. That's wow. that county. So all these others, we put Victor Baptist Church on it. And so, but it, Brother Reinhardt's, we put his church on it. Sure. And so far, he's mailed. He's getting close to 50,000. Amen. And uh, we've helped him some with the postage and going to help him some more with the postage. And we're going to try to cover all of Bay County. Now, just in a few weeks when that's finished and Escambia County's finished, then we will have covered the, the Panhandle of Florida, the last 175 mile of it, from the Gulf of Mexico to the Alabama border. Now, that's what we've done in Florida. But we've got a preacher friend, Harvest Hill Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas, Brother J.R. Trammell. And Brother J.R., when he heard about that, he said, I prayed for years about how the Lord could use us to get the gospel of Christ into every home in Bear County. So he's taken on Bear County. There's 95 zip codes, 14 towns make up Bear County. And he took it on. And so far, uh, I talked to him two weeks ago. He said they've already mailed 112,000 of those cards wow. in San Antonio. There's over 100 churches that's got them and uh, used it, mailed it out. Good. Now, when we do it, we do it with the understanding, hey, we're going to print these cards. It's not going to cost you anything. Shipping nothing. The only thing you do is mail them. Take them down to the post office. You pay the postage and mail them. That's all you do. But, you know, who knows? Some of them kind of got cards and didn't mail them. I don't know. Sure. But I, but everybody I talk to that's mailed them has had results. But I don't know that it's really a work looking as an attendance biller. <laughs> it's an obedience to the Great Commission. Sure. You know. and one, one that we were particularly excited about, was Ken Lawman, good missionary. He went to China in the 90s. He stayed 22 years, I believe, Brother Lawman said. And then China run him out of China. Well, he came home with San Jose, California, and started the Silicon Valley Chinese Baptist Church. And so, Brother Lawman, we had him come into our place, and he took that card, one of the girls at the shop spent several days, and he made those cards parallel. King James Bible, English, and beside of it, Chinese. They put it in Chinese. Then he did a video of the gospel in Chinese. Amen. And we linked that card. Of course, it's it's on every it's on the website of every card. But he went back, we printed five thousand, and we was able to pay the postage on that one for him, being a missionary. And uh, Brother Lawman mailed five thousand of them in a predominantly Chinese community in Silicon Valley. Great. You know, so, but anyway, uh, I'm sure we there's there's requests every day just about, but the last count I had, we was right at the 900,000 mark Praise of the cards that we mailed out. And 
you know, if you want to speak evangelistically, that's, uh, <laughs> they say, three people is the average household in America. So if 900,000, that's 2.7 million, million people that it had the potential of reaching, but who knows? Who can tell? You can't tell. But sure. that realizing that, hey, America better wake up. That picture of hell is kind of shocking all. That, quote, that The whole thing says something. And then the scriptures. And uh, I talked to a brother last night at the mission conference we're in this week. He's getting ready to go to Ogden, Utah. Mm-hmm. And I looked yesterday at the population of Ogden, Utah, and it looks like 80,000. He hopes to be there by March. And he got excited to look at the card. I said, when you get there and you get a location where you're going to meet, send me the information, we'll provide the cards. and probably pay the postage for him if we got the money about that time. Great. That'd be good for Mormon country. Yes, sir. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, that's what the pandemic did for us. I think think pandemic, I think it's God's Cody. And I think it crowded us to Christ. It pushed us. Brother Fuller, how long have you been in the ministry now? Well, I started preaching in 1965, 65. so whatever that is. Quite a while. <laughs> yeah, been a while. Well, Brother, you, you, have, you have seen a, a big swath of independent Baptist history in America, and I've learned a lot from you over the years. I really appreciate the time you've taken with me and, and learned some things from you, and I appreciate your observations of things just like your your uh, insight about the effect that covid had on the on the church in america and i think that you would say as you look about look at the independent baptist movement if you want to call it today that there's some some calls for for encouragement i mean you've described what your church there at milton has been engaged in locally and no doubt there are some causes for concern Churches dying all around the country, even independent Bible-believing Baptist churches that are dying. I, what, what's, your, what's on your heart in these last days for Bible-believing churches in America? What, what do you think it's going to take to thrive in, uh, in this generation as a Bible-believing independent Baptist church? Well, Brother Cadenhead, I've said for years that there would not be a great national revival, even among our churches, without financial collapse. There's too many building monuments to ourselves, you know, building our own kingdom, dead to self. There's no such thing as victorious living and a victorious Christian life unless there's death to self. It's not about me. It's about God. And, and I don't know. I'm just speculating that somebody said one time, ignorance is a poor foundation to build a supposition on. So, you know, and I don't know how this stuff works. I just know that there is no resemblance in fundamentalism now and fundamentalism 50 years ago. And I think the reason for it, there used to be a dependence on God. Now we know how. We know how. We put together an outline, superb, get it, you know, I mean, just absolutely flawless, slicker than a rat's tail, uh, but no power. No power. But old time men, they had to get alone and pray. And they had to get the mind of God. And they preached a message. Today we preach sermons. It's motivation because of our abilities and our ingenuities and that kind of thing. And I think the greatest need we have is the power of God in our lives, but we have to be dead to self. I believe that's the, the biggest thing and, you know, have, have, we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. So that's, and I may be mistaken that, but I know, you know, I guess about my favorite preacher through the years would have been Dr. Harold Seidler. Well, Dr. Seidler, read John 3.16, you shout. You know, you're that old man, that old gravel voice. He was a preacher. Now it's, he had substance, Sure. And what substance without any touch on it, without the power of God, power of the Spirit of God, it's not. That's what I think. Amen. You know, back to prayer, back to trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but all thy ways acknowledge Him. So 
that's that's just kind of my take on it. Amen. You know? Well, I believe if we die to self and get the get the touch of God, the have the power of God, we would certainly be more pleasing to the Lord, and that's what it's all about ultimately. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, we need Him to. He's the one that's that's responsible for the fruit. We're just supposed to be the the boughs on which it hangs. So. Right. Well, brother, I appreciate your years of faithful service through the Victory Baptist Press. I thank you for your for your your friendship and the time that you've uh, taken with a young preacher in South Alabama. You've been a blessing to me. Just uh, appreciate how the Lord's used you over the years and thank God for the Victory Baptist Press. Thank you, brother. Been a blessing to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in to the program today. I do hope the conversation was a blessing. We certainly covered a lot of ground. If you'd like to learn more about the Victory Baptist Press or acquire a copy of Personal Consecration, which I highly recommend, or any of the other materials available in Victory Baptist Press's bookstore, you can find them online at victorybaptistpress.com. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. You can subscribe to this program on a variety of different podcasting platforms and apps. And if it's been a blessing to you, feel free to invite others to tune in or rate and review the program wherever you may be listening. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.